0: Welcome to the first ever episode of Design for Good. I'm Arundhati and we're going to be chatting with creatives who have impacted society through their work and choices. We're here to talk about good design for good. On today's episode, we're in conversation with two young and inspiring women, Samyu Murli art director and designer and Nayantara Datta, strategist, writer and founder of Unapologetically
1: Muslim. Nayantara
0: Samyu, welcome to Design for Good. Thank you so much for taking out the time to be here and to chat with me. Thanks for having us. (laughs) So as you both know, this is uh, going to be um, about both of your journeys in advertising. You're both women in advertising and more importantly, women of color in advertising, which is pretty much a male-dominated industry. Um, So what are the decisions that, you took that brought you where you are. Nayantara, you're a strategist and a writer, and Samyu, you're an art director. So just tell me a little bit about how you got here. Do you want
1: to go first? Sure. Um, I got here through a slightly unconventional means. I was always fascinated by people because I grew up moving countries every few years. And really the common thread was the conversations I'd have with strangers on public transport and the people watching I would do in parks. And so going into college, I ended up majoring in psychology and minoring in music and communications, which led me to a string of advertising internships. And today has led me to be a strategist. So for me, it was it was also pretty
2: unconven- unconventional. Um, I always like design and illustration and drawing and all of that good stuff growing up. Um, So in my undergrad, I did visual communication and I took a psychology course and I really fell in love with the way people think and the way people make decisions and just the way the human mind works. Um, And the way I thought I could connect psychology and design was through advertising and going into the creative side of advertising.
0: That sounds really interesting. So Nayantara, you have grown up in six diff- lived in six different countries and you came to the u.s for college to study yes and um, and now you're working here in new york what has it been like what do you like about the city what do you dislike and what's the experience because i know that you grew up in south asia and in and around there and then you're in the west now and you've worked and studied in both these different parts of the world so like what's the difference and what are the things that you took away from these
1: experiences Great question. I have a huge love-hate relationship with New York. Usually, it's more <laughs> love than hate. <laughs> I think that New York tests you. It shows you who you can really be, and it also shows you what you're willing to put up with, for better or for worse. And um, compared to other places I've lived, it really feels like you have to prove yourself in the city. And And that really drives people to do great work. It has helped me really see the best in the art and culture in what New York has to offer. I think that because the city is is, is seen as the best place to be in the world, people don't travel nearly enough. And so what I miss about living internationally is the desire to travel and to constantly uproot oneself to fully self-actualize. I think that's more prevalent in Asia and other parts of the world than in the US, largely because the US is so huge that when people think about vacations, they really think beyond their own country.
0: That's true. Samyu, you came to the US five years ago? Five years ago. Five years ago to study. And you did your master's in advertising. And then you moved to Austin, and you started working in Austin, and you were there for three years. Um, what is that? What has that been like? What is your experience of the United States and staying away from home for that long? It was, it
2: was difficult, but in the beginning it was okay because I was so excited about going to grad school and learning all these things and, um, and just learning more about advertising and how they do it here and how they combine tech with advertising which was very cool to me Um, but then once I started working it became like I started missing my family more and more and it's difficult every day but I loved working in Austin Uh, the reason I moved to Austin was because I got a job there as an art director at Wonderman and right after I graduated just because I'm an international student the, the only thing on my mind was getting a job and that's very difficult because it's so stressful that you have a time limit with your visa and everything. So um at that point I was just like, I I have a job in Austin and I'm just yeah. going to move there. Um and I'm so glad I did because I I really, really liked Austin. I loved working there and the people and it's a very it's it's a different it's um it's a place that's definitely growing. Um, Because there's so many great companies now, it's like, um, there's a lot of uh, like South by Southwest and ACL, um, all these really cool festivals happen. And it's a very good place where uh, tech intersects with design. So I learned a lot living there.
0: So we're all here because at some level, we believe that whatever we're doing, and however we're contributing to the industry, we want to somehow bring about a change or impact society in a way, or give back in a way. Uh, why is that important to you? And why is it important to have a life outside of your work, outside of your nine-to-five and your eight-hour days, that you know you need to somehow, like, I don't know, explore another way to give back or to do good? Why is that important?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think ultimately, most people are in this industry because of the possibility of having a wider social impact, when you ask people about what got them into advertising, you often hear many stories about wanting to create representation that you didn't see growing up or wanting to have a wider effect on the world through creativity. And so personally, I was drawn to this industry because growing up, the media that we saw was largely media generated by the US. Mm -hmm. I grew up Um, across Hong Kong, Vietnam. I also lived in the U.S. for a brief period of time and was in India. And in all of those places, the commonality was that we didn't read our local media. We read the New York Times or we read The Economist. And because of that, my formation of identity was so based on Western ideals. And I didn't really have many outlets to be surrounded with opinions like mine and experiences that validated my background. And so my incentive for coming into the industry was to positively impact the representation of people with more complicated definitions of identity. I think it was um, the author
2: Chimamanda Ngozi. I don't know know if I said it correctly. I just packed her book. But I love her. Her her TEDx talk about um, how there's more than one story and mm-hmm. how there's there's so much power in, in your story and talking about it and making people feel like they belong in some part of it. I think that's super important as well. And then personally for me, just having a different purpose as well. I think purpose is very important. So what can you do apart from your 9 to 5 that can help other people or that can change even one person's life? I think that's very important to me.
0: Do you think advertising... As a profession and an industry has kind of had it hard over the past few years, like what the perception of it is, because you ask someone like, so what do you think of, of what what advertisers do? It's always like, oh, like you're just selling lies and making money, you know, like that's the perception
1: do you do you buy into that or do you feel otherwise right one of the books i read in college was truth lies and advertising i never <laughs> a good precedent, i i agree that it, advertising has had a difficult time in the past few years but i wouldn't say it there ever has been a great time maybe not since the madman days um there's so much competition coming in from industries and lots of types of creative work are blurring together so it's a very interesting and transformational time to be in this industry and I feel it's um it's very
2: saturated there's so much going on so much content thrown at people just every day that it's it's going to take a lot to get the really good advertising to get to the people or the target audience that you want to want to reach (laughs)
0: Antara, tell us about Unapologetically Muslim and what led you to starting it and what inspired you.
1: Sure. So speaking of creating the representation you wish you had seen, um, when I was in my senior year of college, I was like some of you on a visa trying to get a job. <laughs> and um, I was... Interested in seeing what roles I could assume within advertising. I was always drawn to creativity, but never thought of myself as a designer or an artist. I like to write, but was afraid to assume the title writer. So I tried to meld those elements together through working in trends. And so I would in- interned at J. Walter Thompson um, in trends the summer before and as a, realized I didn't have a portfolio and took it into my own hands to create one. So I persuaded my thesis advisors to let me do a trend report about a consumer demographic that is rapidly changing in today's landscape. And I had read a lot of articles about Muslim women, especially um, since this was around the time of the immigration ban, and you could really see people's attitudes around Muslim identity start to change before this identity was always overshadowed by 9-11. However, um, with new waves of activism and more visibility around Muslim individuals in the media, there was a tide that was emerging. And I really saw the beginning of the wave of Muslims reclaiming that identity and being being given that stage. Um, so the trend report that I created and designed explore muslim female identity in the us the uk and indonesia and so i was able to bring in some of my international interest in that as well while also exploring an identity classifier like religion which i many people don't think about as dictating consumption i think that muslim identity is especially interesting because muslim people don't necessarily look alike or share the same beliefs however they are bound by quite a few core principles, and are visible in many areas of life. So understanding how you can t- target almost an invisible or difficult-to-see minority was a really interesting challenge.
0: Wow, that sounds like quite a project to start. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> really so interesting. I know, it's really, yeah. really interesting. Samyu, so, I mean, you were at TAN last year, and you were in the Young Lions Class of 2018, yeah. right? Am I saying it right? It was the Young Creative Academy. The Young Creative Academy, sorry. Yeah. Um <laughs> you also mentioned to me earlier that you were the only South Asian person in that class, if you I I think I was. You if were. I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. How does that like what does that feel like? And how important is representation to you? And if it is, then what do you think could change that? number or like the number of people you see the number of south asian people you see in such international spaces
2: well i i think the first thing is um a lot of times especially for south asians it's it's difficult to get that opportunity to um apply to these sort of things um and the the reason i found out was i was just going through the the canlines website and i stumbled across this and applied to it um but I definitely think representation is very, very important. For me, growing up, there weren't that many people that I even saw um, in industries like advertising or even design and illustration. Um, so showing that as a South Asian, as a wo- South Asian woman, you can do things like that and you can um,
0: be successful in them is is super important to me. So how does one? learn about this because you said you were just browsing through a website or like you know if you weren't just browsing through like there's no space or no place that somebody tells you oh like you know this is the deadline or this is something unless you're following like an ad week or whatever but do you think everyone has access to these channels where people are like constantly reminding you to like submit your things or you know like apply for a program or like just somehow broaden whatever your whatever the possibilities are for you as a young creative,
2: right? I think that's why mentorship is very important, especially for South Asians, because um, back back when I was doing my undergrad, you never, I never heard about mentorship or anything like that, um, and it was difficult for me to, especially moving to a different country and doing my grad school here and things like that. It was I had to learn a lot of things on my own, especially about how the industry works here and how networking works and how like what you're supposed to do in your first job and things like that um so that's i i think having a mentor or having even multiple mentors is very important just someone who you can go and talk to you can ask questions just have a conversation with them and they can help you with whatever you need
0: nantara did you have a process of finding a mentor did you have a mentor through college and you still maybe like look
1: up to someone or go to someone for advice I've had a couple of scattered mentorship experiences. Um, I would say I've been a mentor more than I've had a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had two mentors in New York City through different programs. Um, and both of those relationships have been really supportive when people have been available. But it's also tricky, you know, to factor in another person and another responsibility on top of your schedule. Um, I will say that, you know, mentorship is so key in knowing what opportunities are available to you. I've had a lot of informal mentors, people who have sent uh, me these opportunities and these fellowships and programs, which has been especially helpful because coming into the industry as an international, you don't qualify for a lot of the diversity programs and A lot of the people coming in on diversity programs already have a resource library and a community that is letting them know about deadlines, that is holding them accountable to being their best self and fulfilling their potential. It gets a little harder when you're on international, which brings with it visa complications and external pressures that many people don't realize who are U.S. citizens. Um... And so when I was in that position, I came into this industry on a strategy internship out of college. I needed a job like some, and was scrambling to do whatever I could to just um, keep my visa. Because if I was unemployed for 30 days, I would be deported. And in that process, I did a ton of informational interviews. And I asked people, what are the resources that you read? And how do you find out about new networking events or um, program openings or any other opportunities in the industry? So from that, I built my own sort of opportunity calendar, which I still consult every year about what things are open when and Where I can find application links. And so, so much of it has to be self-motivated. And my first year employed, I really fought to spend a couple of hours every night or every week just applying to things. I got rejected more times than I can name, but I also got quite a few opportunities so so much of it is also self-propelled so you feel like you
0: definitely need to push yourself to find the right space where you can apply or you think you know a program that would nurture you help you grow as an individual and a professional mm-hmm. and speaking of programs and mentorship you were both part of ad color which is where you met in fact you know yes. a program that sort of i identifies. chased you down in
1: the hallway <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so like ad color Identifies and nurtures diverse um, ad professionals, and you know, like leadership in advertising, the next next generation of leadership in advertising. So, what was your experience like of Ad Color, and how has that changed you, if it has? Um, so, Nainthara and I were in different um,
2: sections of Ad Color.
1: Yeah, we had different say. experiences had, within the program.
2: Right, because I was part of Ad Color Futures, and uh, Nainthara was nominated for Rising Star, if I'm correct. Um, so being a part of the futures was amazing because now um, I have that community with me 39 mm-hmm. other really amazing really talented people who I can reach out to and that's another thing like even with mentors you can even reach out to the friends that you have like I, I reach out to Nayantara when I have questions about anything or anything ad related or if I'm just if I have like if I'm doubtful about something and I'm like, Should I do this, should I do that? I reach out to her as well. Um and I think that community was super important for me. And that's what I got through uh, Ad Colour Futures and I still keep in touch with them, which is amazing. And I got to meet yeah. so <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Ad Colour is such a remarkable community and I think it provides an entry point for people of all sorts of different identities who may not have support systems in other places to feel like a part of something from the beginning you set foot in the door. And so currently, you know, I did meet some youth through being there um, as an award nominee, which is something I nominated myself for. (laughs) Um, Which is amazing. I really found like I learned very early that you are your own best advocate and you know yourself and your strengths the best. And so I followed the Mindy Kading series, <laughs> of, Why Not Me?, and just put myself up for everything and was very lucky to be uh, considered as a nominee. And currently, I um, am part of the Color content team. And so it's been really wonderful to be able to approach issues of diversity within that community and also advocate for the nuances of represent- representation that matter to us because I chased some you down in the hallway because there are so few South Asian people in advertising much less South Asian people from an international background and so I saw myself reflected in her and I found a friend and someone who really understood where I was coming from and so, you know, the power of that network and those connections cannot be uh, underemphasized. Yeah, it's true cool. And I remember we were
0: talking about this a couple of days ago. That um, South Asian identity tends to shift. You know, when you're in the subcontinent, it's something, and when you're away from there, it's something else. And we've all seen that. You know, kind of transform. Um, I remember while walking around the West Village, I came across this like little deli. It's called Lahore Delhi, and they, they, and there's so many little like delis around here. You know, and they go by. Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Indian, Sri Lankan, (laughs) all of it together, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like all of these identities together, like you're selling the whole subcontinent, like come and eat this food because you're from here, like get a a flavor of this part of the world. But when you actually go to that part of the world, you know, these differences are more prominent, like Mm -hmm. they're highlighted a lot more. What is your opinion on that? Like what do you think needs to change about that? Like if we're capable of unity outside of, the geographic zone of
1: South Asia, do you think we're capable of unity within that zone? As you say, it's all dependent on context. So going to Smorgasburg here, (laughs) I'm so excited (laughs) to see South Asian iced coffee, even though it's sold by a blonde white woman, who I'm sure is just like jumping in on the trend. There's Goa tacos, and there are all of these infusions of different cultures in the US, which would seem silly or impossible in different areas of the world. Um, From what I've experienced, I think that the state of being a minority unifies people like no other, which is why I think there are definitely, there are cuisines like that in New York and there are possibilities to make connections with people who you wouldn't be encouraged to talk to in your native country. And no matter where you are, I think, you know, there can be a state of tension living in the place where your culture is the majority and no matter where people are you you seek to find your own path and subvert from what other people are doing so in the U.S. that means embracing your minority heritage and welcoming everyone into that celebration in places like India where I would be the majority majority that may mean doing my own thing and kind of, <laughs> <laughs> and not talking to strangers on the street who knows <laughs> I think it's also a sense of belonging.
2: Like, just because we're all from the south of Asia, we we tend to have similar um, upbringings. So, just finding that connection makes you feel uh, that just makes you feel like you belong in a community when you're a minority in a. In For
0: sure, because like I don't feel like I qualify as asian Mm, you know i can't i can't tell anyone i'm asian when i when i am i'm fully asian you (laughs) know i belong in that continent but like i feel like south asia in itself is such a uh, distinct kind of uh, zone that you have to say like hey i'm from the subcontinent
1: (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of people don't even know what that means because that's such an interesting point Mm -hmm. where in the u.s asian is seen as one consolidated conflated identity group however there are so many distinct experiences um, that people face so people from that identity group say i'm south asian or i'm southeast asian or get even more specific about what country or what region they're from and i think it can be pretty limiting being in the western world as an asian who is you know is still trying to get those nuances represented
0: yeah and you talk about um you know the way that we we are somewhat a minority here right um do you feel like you faced challenges while you were you know trying to carve a path or like figure out a way to make your career be a little different because it's definitely not a regular advertising person's career, you know, you've like right. been a part of so many different programs. You've both somehow, you know, kind of uh, found a community outside of your workspace, and that's so important. What are some challenges that you went through? I think obviously the first challenge would be visa problems. Yeah,
1: I
2: think visa struggles huge. Just, that's always there on ongoing our, stress. Uh, yeah, just Agree on our minds all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's a huge struggle but um, apart from that for me I've always been very especially after moving here I've been very um, like n- not shy but like I, I've i been very aware that my accent is so different from um, an American accent so um, that's something that has initially it hindered me a lot because I was so scared of public speaking combine that with this fear of people not understanding me because of my accent. Um, I think that really, it did not help when I was interviewing for jobs or when I was even making presentations in front of people. But uh, that's something that as as I started working, um, I felt that I shouldn't have to change my accent. I feel mm-hmm. it's okay if people ask me to repeat myself, but I that was a conscious choice where I didn't want to change my accent when I was presenting stuff or when I was talking to people. Um, just because personally, I felt I need to um, like just get over my fear of not being able to not get not
1: having people understand me. My Indian accent is the one that's most natural to me, but I speak in an American accent 98% of the time mm-hmm. at work around New York to be virtually everyone that's not my family or also south asian and even with south asian people it takes a degree of comfort for me to speak in this accent and it's not because it's something i can control it's because it's it's code switching and it's an act of survival and so um you know me putting on an american accent is a gut instinct mm-hmm. that helps me feel like people may take me more seriously or lots of people assume i'm from new jersey <laughs> and i've always wondered and really admired how you were able to hold on to your accent and just you know face up to the the fact that people may make assumptions about you but you would prefer to stay true to yourself and
2: yeah in the full thank sense yeah
1: i think a lot of times just
2: having that indian accent I, I don't know a lot of people have said that an indian accent itself is 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 it Just having any kind of accent, actually, just makes you, uh, I don't know, it just makes you take a step. Like, when people talk to you, they
0: just immediately make assumptions Mm -hmm. that's also like an accent is also place specific right like you Mm -hmm. have an accent because you're in america but to you an american has an accent that's true (laughs) Um, so yeah and speaking of that samyu you're in a really interesting position right now because you have completed about three years of work life in the u.s Mm -hmm. after studying here for two years and you're going back home to india to work in the ad industry in india and that's a very interesting and in my opinion a very commendable move Mm -hmm. um what lies ahead and what are your plans i
2: honestly am so terrified about what lies ahead (laughs) but um i the main reason i'm going home is because i miss my family a lot um but i also there are a lot of really cool things coming out of India right now, and I want to, I I want to go back and and see how things are there. Um, I've never officially worked in India. Um, I've got I've done I think two internships there, which was for a very short time. So, just having worked in the U.S. my entire career, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be difficult. But I also think it's going to be really cool that I can take what I learned from here. And then take it back to
0: India and help in the ads that they create. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, also, you spoke about having a program of mentorship mm-hmm. or a community where you can mentor young designers, young creatives coming out of colleges and programs. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you plan to do that? What What kind of program are you envisioning and what's the the idea behind it? I think um, just going back
2: to when I graduated undergrad, um, or even after high school, I didn't, I didn't know too many people who were in this industry. So just looking back, if I had someone who was in this industry, who I could just talk to and be like, "Hey, I want to do something related to this, but I'm not exactly sure what I want to do," I think having someone to talk to, talk through that. Um, would have been very good for me and it would have been very beneficial. So I, I, I would want to do something like that. I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, but um, just helping people who want to get into this industry or who think that they might want to get into this industry, um, talking it through with them, having, um, giving them um, an opportunity to have mentors who are in the industry who want to help people. Um, so something like that,
0: informing forming a community, I feel. Nantara, you're involved in so many organizations, um, you know, as a mentor, as somebody who's part of a board that decides what's going to happen next, you know, to plan activities, to plan um, events and things. Uh, what would your advice be to somebody who's young, let's say, is in their first year of maybe a new job, maybe just graduated or like about to graduate. How does one establish a life outside of work that is relevant and significant?
1: I would say the first step is finding out what keeps you alive and what invigorates you. For some people, that's your day job and that's totally fine. I think with the popularity of side hustles, a lot of people put pressure on themselves to do a lot of activities outside of work when their work is really what fulfills them. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I've always been someone who who gets very excited about how I can contribute to the community beyond my job and all of the different aspects of my identity I can look into. So I sing jazz, I play the piano and the guitar, I tapestry weave, I like to knit. I'm always trying something new and that doesn't mean I'm good at any of those things. (laughs) It just means (laughs) that I'm excited by the idea of exploring all that life has to offer. Um, my old manager at my job uh, told me once that she's never seen me so happy and so alive and so um, and also seen my work be as good as when I was pitching articles around the release of my trend report. And that's really stuck with me. just seeing you know feeling something inside that there's a momentum of, with something I've released that I want to pursue, but also seeing that other people had noticed, how how that how that progressed within me and so i would encourage anyone who's still looking for that thing that they can call their own to take the time and to also make sure they set down very strict life work side hustle boundaries and so for me um, it may seem like I do I'm involved in a lot however I never do any work on the weekends I'm very clear with that Um, I make sure I I go to the gym I see friends and I keep the computer down many weekdays as well after work and so um, I don't think that hustling so hard that you're close to burnout is ever advisable even if it is something that you love it's all about finding the moderation and being able to prioritize with what you're interested in and what feeds you
0: so what does the future hold for Nayantara and for some of you <laughs> for unapologetically Muslim and for your career as somebody who brings mentors together and mentors young designers give me a little snippet of it
1: <laughs> after you <You're> samyu
0: <laughs> <laughs> so much pressure <laughs> it's a big question it is a
2: huge question um i am not exactly sure and i i think i'm uh, i am not exactly sure what i'm what the future holds um hopefully i'm i'm moving back next month back to india um, so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm taking it as it goes, and I'm learning to do that.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, um, for me, I'm, you know, after the experience of writing that report, I've been pursuing different kinds of creativity and really just writing for myself, not writing with the intention of publishing. Um, something that's really interested me, having written about Muslim Muslim women, which is an identity uh, identity that I don't identify with but I'm an ally towards, is writing about something that is close to home. So whether it's my third culture identity or being a South Asian or the many other things that i've experienced in life i really have an appetite to write and learn more about myself through the process i think we're all changing so much every day so one of the best acts of self-care is to just check in with yourself through letting your thoughts flow so i'm excited to hopefully produce some content around identity in the future do you feel like there is a future for the fusion of creativity and social good Absolutely. I mean, if you look at Gen Z, the number one trait that identifies this upcoming generation is the interest around social good. Um, I think that more and more when you see shows, TV shows like The Good Place around ethics and morality, and you start to see widespread conversations about activism, no matter where people are from and how that manifests on Twitter, you can tell that uh, people feel a lot more empowered to change the world and to do work that has a social impact. So growing up, I always wanted to do good. But I didn't know how I can do that while still making a reasonable income and supporting (laughs) a family in the future. And what's really positive and encouraging to me is that We're starting to see these worlds come together where I don't have to work for a nonprofit to feel like I'm doing work that matters and work that opens doors for other people. It's just a matter of doing work that resonates with you, identifying spots of trouble or spots of improvement and taking it upon yourself to create the change that you keep on whispering to your friends about or that you whine about at the, at the water coolers. And so <laughs> knowing that each one of us now has the platform to really change our lives in the industry for the better.
0: And what is the role of social media in this social change? How important is it to the both of you? Well, I think it definitely...
2: It obviously, there's, there were a lot of uh, social media campaigns that won a lot of Lions last year that were for social good. Um, it's, usually I, that,
0: right? it's usually that, It's usually that. Right. It's usually that. But
2: a lot of times, there are negative impacts of social media, obviously. Um, if you see fire Festival, if you see the rise of... <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad one. <laughs> <But anyway.
1: laughs>
2: rise of influencers, things like that. And it generally gives you... It inflates... Um, a person's day-to-day life and it makes people aspire to something that's not even real um, which is always a negative thing but then um, I, I think it can also the one thing with social media is there is it can it can be accessed by so many different people around the world um, and you can reach so many people uh, I think it can definitely be used for good as well
1: I think the future of social media and of social good is how we can turn the URL to IRL because the great thing is that we're able to connect so deeply with people we may not have ever met before and we can develop empathy for backgrounds and cultures that we may never have witnessed ourselves. However, I think there is an appetite to be able to engage outside of a screen and I'm sure that there will continue to be opportunities for real-life activism. Well, that's such a lovely note to end on. You know,
0: changing the URL to IRL, I think that's lovely. Thank you so much for both of your time and for all this knowledge that you have shared with us. Um, And it was lovely having you. Thank you so much. Thanks for
1: having us. Thank you.
0: Both Samyu and Nayantara are on Instagram. And their website details will also be mentioned in the description box below. You can follow Design for Good on Instagram to keep up with our latest content. And feel free to suggest who we should chat with next.